Welcome to the Horns of Light Chronicles. Peter Berbalis chronicles his family story, prophecy, and testimony. God's story unfolds from his grandfather in Lithuania, Nazi Germany, the Russian Revolution, to Ronald Reagan and the fall of the Berlin Wall, the gospel spreading across to Eastern Europe, how God called Peter to Petra Jordan, and so much more as prophecy and testimonies unfold. And now the Horns of Light Chronicles. Well, how fun is this? I am so grateful that you have tuned in again for Horns of Light and the story of the Burbless family. And I don't know if you're like me, man, you're anxious to hear what's happening next. And so, Pete, take it from here. Sure. Um, just uh, kind of just want to emphasize as we go through this story that this is really the story of God's grace uh, and and my grandfather walking in the grace that the Lao that the Lord allowed him to walk through, and just an encouragement for people that are going through adversity. Um, his is also a story of great adversity. Uh, and just, um, you know, during the war, as all these things were happening, uh, my grandmother, who basically got uh, kicked out of her house for her faith as a child, she lost her faith uh, in the middle of the war. She kind of got to that point of um, how can how can there be a God when, uh, there's such evil going on all around. And the Lord in his goodness brought her uh, back um, after the war. And uh, she, she uh, was, was once again strong in her faith, um, singing in uh, the Lord, just using her voice um, and doing Bible studies and all those things. So God's faithful in the midst of difficult times. He's just really faithful. Another story during that time when my grandfather was in Germany, a doctor uh, diagnosed him with uh, melanoma skin cancer, and it was aggressive. And the doctor had uh, said that uh, he he likely uh, would not live uh, for much longer. And my grandfather always kind of would tell that story with uh, with a bit of a, a jest to it, in the sense that uh, he outlived that doctor and. Uh, um, they gave him arsenic, and that uh, the Lord used that to kind of keep the cancer at check, and ultimately uh, it didn't reappear again until his 90s, and that's not even what took his life. Uh, he was uh, died in his sleep, just went to sleep, and, and the Lord took him. Um, just another kind of thread that uh, flows through his life that kind of has flowed through my dad's and a little bit through mine is evangelism. Um, he used to go to the Lithuanian parks and do uh, bring a band and do evangelism in the park and uh, kind of did that same thing in Lithuania, driving town, or not driving, taking a horse town to town and preaching in the center of squares of the streets. Just kind of throwing those out there, those, uh, that becomes kind of a thread in, in my own life for a time. And uh, so where we left off last time, was uh, the U.S. postmaster coming to his house and telling him about, you know, he can't do those things and the betrayal that happened uh, as he was trying to get a uh, 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 man to translate Bible who kind of had an Ivy League background. Um, so at this point, my grandfather still does not feel qualified, um, and the Lord starts speaking to him about uh, doing the translation, and he just does not uh, feel qualified whatsoever. And so he, uh, basically the Lord kind of speaks to him again and says, uh, you're going to do this willingly or unwillingly, but you're going uh, to do this work. And uh, shortly 
After that, he struck with arthritis uh, to the point where even uh, taking the public transportation in Chicago, riding on a bus, the jolts of the bus really affect, uh, it, it's just extremely painful, and he's pretty much bedridden at this time with arthritis. And when he's uh, in his bed bedridden, um, he just surrenders fully to the Lord and says, okay, I'll do this. And uh, he's instantly healed. The next day, uh, my dad uh, went over to his house and sees him on a ladder um, with one foot on the ladder, the other foot on kind of the molding and just leaning over and working on the ceiling. I don't know if it was spackling or painting. And my dad just couldn't believe it. And uh, my grandfather just said, I'm healed. I've got to, I've got to work. So uh, after that, he um, just, my dad describes it as he became like a soldier and just worked on uh, translating the Bible. One of the stories that kind of came up in that, it was just such an urgency uh, for that to, to be finished and to be done. He was in a meeting with a group of people and they just started arguing over some of the minutia uh, of the translation and there was such urgency and, uh, and he just told them, we don't have time for this, we don't have time for this. And they kind of said, well, if, if that's how you feel, then why don't you do it? So he kind of grabbed uh, the ladies in the room and got up and said, we'll, we'll do this. So he just worked diligently um, at, at from that point on of uh, translating the Bible, and he finished it in the 80s. And in 1985, he kind of realized that uh, he he didn't want he realized he had, he had been gone from Lithuania for so long that he might have missed out on some of the cultural nuances in the language in his translation. So we really wanted a group in Lithuania uh, that was still, you know, active in the language to take a look at his manuscripts and make any modifications uh, that that they felt needed to be made. Uh, so he arranged, a uh, lady was going there and she had gotten access to Lithuania. So we gave her a copy of the Bible, uh, of his manuscripts to, to smuggle in for them to review. And as this lady was uh, gaining entrance into Lithuania, there was a line, and it was kind of a checkpoint thing, I think, at the airport. As she was entering, and everybody had to uh, have all their luggage and baggage and everything gone through uh, with the fine-tooth comb. They were opening everything up, and uh, she began to get nervous because uh, she knew that she had something that the Russian government would view as, uh, as uh, well, you know, illegal type of a thing. Um, so as she's getting closer, uh, closer and closer to the end of the line, uh, a guy in front of her, she notices, is getting really sick. Um, so she goes to the uh, guy that's working on checking everybody and says, this man's getting sick, this man's getting sick, and he just ignores her. She gets back in line, and uh, the man falls and has a heart attack right in front of her. And so uh, the commotion ensues and uh, trying to help this man. So basically they send that whole group into uh, another line. And uh, when it comes her turn to be checked, the guy doing the checking tells her, um, that he saw what he what she tried to do for the man, and he was just appreciative that he tried to help him, and uh, and that you know this guy didn't handle it correctly, and kind of went down that whole path of dialogue with her, and he just let her go through without uh, checking, 
Um, but then the next person in line, he went through that rigorous checking. So uh, the Lord used that situation of the man having a heart attack. The person in front of her was searched thoroughly. The person behind her was searched thoroughly, but she was able to go through and get the manuscripts in, and they were able to uh, review it and make their changes. Um, then we kind of jump from that point. Uh, we have the fall of the Berlin Wall um, in November of 1989. And kind of what was interesting to me, I think it was the Christmas of uh, 89 or 90, I can't remember. I was working at a chain store called Venture, which has gone out of business since, and um, was cashier there, and they had a piece of the Berlin Wall, and uh, I bought that, uh, bought a little piece that was in just a small box, and just figured I'd give that to my grandfather uh, for Christmas. Um, so uh, went and gave that to him, and I'll never forget that Christmas. He just started, uh, just started uh, to weep um, when he opened up that that gift, and uh, he was basically the type of person that early in the morning, if you woke up, and at that point in time, I wasn't really living for the Lord, um, and would come home at odd hours of the night, and sometimes the next morning, and um, you'd see him early in the morning on his knees at his bed, praying every single morning, and his prayers were for Lithuania, and for uh, the fall of communism, and and all those types of things. So for him to kind of see the uh, fruition of what the Lord had put on his heart and the many years of praying um, and for the Lord to kind of orchestrate that whole thing with Ronald Reagan, which also kind of becomes a significant thread in my life and that speech that uh, he was never supposed to give of uh, tear down this, this wall. Um, so after that, in uh, August of 1991, uh, my grandfather was finally able to get admission uh, to Lithuania. He was trying as things were beginning to open up, but they still viewed him as a enemy of the state kind of deal, so they never issued him you know, permission to come. He finally gets permission to come, and in August of 1991, he lands, and the day that he lands is the day that uh, they finally, um, that the coup in Russia, the Russian coup happens in Lithuania, and that battle for independence uh, begins, which was very minimal. I think maybe one person died in that fight, but he's there on September 6th when uh, the treaty is signed with Russia, and, uh, and Lithuania gains their independence. Um, and what's kind of interesting in that story is my, as my grandfather's praying in America all those uh, decades for the fall of, of uh, communism and just for the people of Lithuania, uh, the Lord raises up uh, one of his relatives. Uh, his name is uh, Gennady uh, Berblis. And uh, when we came through Ellis Island, our, the, name, the spelling of our name was changed from, from I-S to Y-S. So really it should be B-U-R-B-U-L-I-S. And uh, the Lord raised up one of his relatives that ends up becoming um, Yeltsin's right-hand man and uh, kind of sent a Wikipedia article that you could look it up. And he ends up, be he would have become uh, Yeltsin's vice president uh, had he denied his Lithuanian name. They wanted him to change his name, but he, he didn't want to change that. And he ended up you know, basically um, coming up with uh, the document that everybody signed that led to uh, 
um, the uh, split up of the Roman or, or of the Russian Empire, and that kind of granted uh, the other states their independence. So, as my grandfather is praying, the Lord on the other side of the world raises up um, another man, another one of his relatives that ends up becoming and would have become the vice president to Yeltsin uh, in in Russia um, that ends up being the one who uh, kind of comes up with the ideology for the uh, freedom uh, that freedom of Lithuania and the other uh, and the other countries and open and opens up Russia for a time um, uh, for evangelism to come into that nation for the gospel to be spread uh, throughout uh, Russia and the former Soviet bloc countries. So um, finally, in 1996, uh, my grandfather's Bible gets published. Uh, he um, was a Methodist, but had kind of seen that the Lord was using a charismatic group um, in Lithuania. So he handed over uh, the manuscripts to them, and they ended up getting it published in, I think, I can't remember if it was uh, Sweden or Norway. Um, and, uh, and so he's 93 years old. Finally, when that uh, word that the Lord had spoken to him uh, in his 20s, that uh, um, that the Lord was going to greatly use him uh, to uh, to affect the nation of Lithuania, um, and that uh, that kind of work gets fulfilled when he's 93 years old, and that Bible gets published, and then uh, that's that's basically what's uh, used. Um, as revival hits uh, that nation, uh, there was a, a small revival that hits, and even to this day, um, we get requests for, uh, we recently received a request for the editing of these manuscripts for the publishing of, a, of um, another Bible. And I think there's at least two other uh, translations that have used his, his translation as a source. So basically, just an encouragement for people that, uh, you know, God has plans and purposes for our lives all the way up until we take our last breath, uh, be it the work that he's given us the grace to walk in, to finish and complete, or the prayers that uh, he has for us to pray. And kind of another story related to that is in 2004, um, went to the Ukraine on kind of a missions trip, and there was a conference that was going on. And uh, just sat down at this conference, and there was a, a lady next to me and just kind of made small talk and found out that she was from Lithuania and kind of shared a little bit about my grandfather. And, um, and uh, she said, oh, your last name must be Burgless. And I said, yes. And she held up her Bible. And uh, just kind of one of those things that you just, uh, that you just never forget. Um, and she said, this is your grandfather's Bible. It was just really, really cool to uh, to see uh, the work that the Lord had used him uh, to do. And even when uh, I went to him, uh, when the Bible was finally published, walked into his room one day, and that was just a never, another never forget moment, and just kind of said to him, um, you've got to be so proud of this, you know, this lifetime achievement of yours, this work kind of uh, finally being done. And his words to me, were um, this this wasn't my work uh, this was the Lord's work and he just really walked uh, a very humble life and, and kind of given it all uh, for 
the work. Um, in the end, he died basically in debt. He had uh, taken a loan out for it was thirty thousand dollars for the church in Lithuania for the work to be continued, and uh, it was something that my dad uh, repaid. Ended up having to repay. So, uh, just an amazing story, and just such uh, such kind of an honor um, to see uh, his life and that his walk uh, matched matched his life um, and kind of towards the end of his life another hopeful thing uh, he was in his 90s he lived with us um, towards the end of his life and was just sitting having a conversation with him one day and uh, he just looked at me and he said and he wasn't the guy that very rarely would he you know, I can only think of three or four times um, that he used the words, the Lord spoke to me. So that wasn't something that he threw around or, or uh, used flippantly. Um, but he just turned to me and just said, uh, the Lord spoke to me. And uh, he, he told me that uh, that um, one million people in Lithuania would come to know him. And considering uh, Lithuania's a, a population of 2.8 million people um, that's kind of one of those things that just kind of tuck away as a promise from the Lord and just kind of an encouragement to believe and to pray that there will be um, another worldwide awakening um, yeah. where many will come to know the Lord so I hate to jump in again but we've come to the end of the time but we're far from the end of the story so again tune again soon as we continue where the Burbulous family goes and these horns of light. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. God bless.